All right. If you would open your Bibles to John chapter 20, verse 21. That would be awesome. And while we're getting there in our Bibles or electronic devices, however you're reading Scripture this morning, um, I want to just, uh, just mention something that happened here yesterday. We had the room completely filled up for a funeral of one of our own uh, members, and a, actually a longtime life group member that I we'd walked with, uh, Terry Pack, passed away this past week after a long battle with kidney failure and some some other things, and uh, uh, and it was a beautiful, beautiful time together. I just we don't have we're a young church just in general, and we don't have a lot of funerals. Uh, praise the Lord, you know, but um, but it was an awesome time. Our life group really came together and was just. It, it was a beautiful time. We had a number of people from the from that uh, from that funeral visiting in the first service. It was really really cool, and the Lord was really, I think, you know, honored. And Mayor felt uh, tremendously loved, and just wanted to pass that along because a lot of not everybody knew Terry. If you uh, Terry sat in a, in a wheelchair a lot of times, right back there in that back corner. If you happen to happen to see him, so I wanted to mention that. Okay, so John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus is raised from the dead and He comes to His disciples in, in verse uh, 21 and He says, uh, and, and again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent Me, I am sending you. Now, that's a great commission, just like at the end of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But some people call this the greatest commission because it's, it's not just Jesus saying, go make disciples. It's Jesus saying, as the Father sent me, I am now sending you. It's like the commission of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit comes to us and we go out with this thing. So all the Gospels end with a great commission. Acts, the book of Acts starts with a great commission, which has been huge for us in the history of the church here. I want you to be my witnesses right where you are in Jerusalem and then expanding out from there, Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's been a that's been a huge thing for us down through the years because we want to be we want to join this deal. We want to be a part of this. We have a mission. We want to represent Jesus to go out with his life and love into the world. And so a number of years ago, when we started uh, formulating what was going to be this uh, the mission arm which that James in uh, James is I don't see him, but uh, that he mentioned earlier, uh, so Share Life is actually, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's actually got some kind of cool stuff in behind it that actually communicates a bit of our vision. So the word SHARE is actually an acronym which stands for, here we go, thinking caps, start here and reproduce everywhere. Okay, that's what we want to do. We, that's a, there's a vision piece right there. We want to start right where we're at and we want to reproduce. Life. The life of Jesus. And that stands for life-giving, image-bearing fellowships for eternity. I was stretching on that one, but work with me, you know? That's what we're trying to do. Now's the urgency. International is the scope. So that's what we see. That's the vision behind this thing. And so we want to be a part of sharing the life of Jesus right where you're at, right where we're at. And I even want to say on any given service here, there's always a number of visitors and people that are coming in or finding out about the Lord or about Jesus or about Christ's fellowship. And I just want to say here that at Christ's fellowship, we want to remove barriers to people being able to find out about Jesus. We want to remove barriers. We want you to be able to find out about who is Jesus in, a, in, a, in the 
best way possible. And this morning, we're talking about what motivates us in our mission. So this is kind of like looking under the hood a bit of Christ Fellowship. This, this uh, Mission Sunday is, is like, because this is who we are. This isn't just something that we kind of emphasize once in a while. This is, we're talking about it today, but this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what uh, fires our pistons. This is what gets us going, is that we want to join Jesus in His mission to, to, uh, to reach the city, to reach the nation, and to reach the world. And a lot of people come to the church for different reasons, but some of the main ones are that you want to grow, or you're looking for more in your relationship with God, if you already know Jesus Christ, you know, but if, if either one of those, or you want to be challenged, you know, a lot of times our reputation in the city is something like, hey, they're really like serious about going for it, this whole missional life thing, and we are. And I want to just go, hey, look under the hood with us today as we talk about some of this. And uh, with, with uh, just as we go through the morning here. So here's the thing. We were made by God to join him in doing great things. God made us. He made you and he made me to do great things in the kingdom of God. He made us not to settle for little pediocre, mediocre, piddly It's a new word. Okay, don't tweet that. Don't. That's just. I. I know that's going. It's probably already out. Sorry, too late. Pediocre, new word about mediocrity. Um, piddly is what I was going to say. Piddly and mediocre ended up converging, right there. What was I saying? We're created for something great, and this church is created created for a great purpose. And what happens is, if we don't stay on task with the mission. If we don't stay focused on what God's called us to do, we get snarky, turning toward each other, you know, you know, kind of like that, because we're made for mission. Max Lucado, famous author, wrote this piece. It's been years ago, but a little essay. He said, when fishermen don't fish, they fight. Okay, and so he tells a story about when he was 12 years old and his best friend and he and his dad went on this fishing trip. And they couldn't wait to get out there to go out to the lake and everything. No sooner did they get out there on a Friday morning than this northwestern, you know, kind of storm. You know how storms come through in Texas, man. They just whoosh. Temperature drops. The rain's blowing sideways. The wind's blowing. They couldn't go out there, but it was okay. They're in the camper. They had Monopoly. And so they're playing Monopoly that first day, having a blast, being together and everything. They wake up on morning number two on Saturday and... Uh, Oh my goodness, the, way, the rain's still blowing sideways. And now instead of, you know, Monopoly looking real fun, now they're starting to kind of pick at each other just a little bit. They're just cooped up in this little camper and they're supposed to be fishing. And so it gets pretty tense. And on day three, man, I mean, it's like game on. The guns are out. It's still raining like crazy. They can't fish and they're, they're getting in fights and all this kind of stuff. And the point that he makes is when we don't do what we were made to do, we get off track and start picking at each other, ourselves, and, and we miss the point. And the, the point here for us is God has given us a mission. We are life-giving people that He's put in this city to make a difference here. And if we will do what we're called to do, there will be great joy in this thing for us. We are hope people. We are hope people. We are love people. We are life people. We are making things right people. And we are not doomsday people. 
It's just bad and getting worse. And you know what? I know it's bad and getting worse. Jesus said the wheat will grow up with the tares. But we are, what we're going to do is the part we can do. And that's get clearer and clearer and clearer about Jesus, His life in us, walking with Him, enjoying Him, loving Him, worshiping Him, being light and love and peace and grace in this world that desperately needs this. That's, that's what we're doing. That's what we're about. you know. And so it's true of our movement that we're a part of. Antioch, the church planning movement that we're a part of, you know, I was recently in a leaders meeting that we brought the international leadership team, the oversight, oversight team, and the U.S. oversight team, of which I'm a part. We brought everybody together in Waco about two or three weeks ago. And one of the things that Drew mentioned to us, one of the guys, is that in the last calendar year, we've sent out 130 full-time missionaries into the field, just from the U.S. churches. 130. Think about that. So that's... That's like that's a big deal. Another thing we talked about that Jimmy mentioned, Cybert, was that uh, just a few years ago there were 750 unreached and unengaged people groups. That means there's not even one worker amongst this whole ethnic group. Does that make sense? Not one. Unreached and unengaged. And in the last few years, that number has gone from 750 down to 450 unreached, unengaged people groups. And just recently, back at the beginning of the summer, Jimmy and a few of our leaders were invited into this meeting with Campus Crusade for Christ, Youth with a Mission, some of the biggest uh, players in the international missions uh, world. And they said, let's be intentional about reaching these unreached, unengaged people groups. And we, as a movement, Antioch, were given 50 of those 450 uh, unreached, unengaged people groups. And we've already seen a couple of them already reached in the last few months. And it's just because people didn't know they were unreached and unengaged. And so in one of our countries, can't mention the guy's name or the country, but in one of those countries, the guy just talked with some of the people that he's, he's reaching in his own church. And he goes, do you know this people group? And they go, we do. And so they formed a team, sent people in there, and there's a church planted amongst that people group already. Just as we're being intentional, and, and I mean, like the, what I'm trying to say is we're living in great times right now. This is not think ordinary thoughts. This is get outside of that kind of way. This isn't business as usual. God is raising people up for such a time as this. And I mean, even in the movement, oh, what's going on? It's so easy for us to, to look at ourselves or look at Christ's fellowship or look at the broader movement and go, well, yeah, but we're not this, and we don't do that good, or we do this good, and we worry about our identity and who we are and all this stuff. And you know what? We can't solve all of those things, but we can follow Jesus. We can just, we're, we, we're not ever going to get it just down perfect and all the little tweaky things that you want to just go, oh, that's not as good as I think I could do it, or all that. Man, we're in the game. And I mean, we're in the game like as a tribe. It's a big deal that we are uh, getting to participate with what God's literally doing in this generation to change the world. And it's awesome. It's, awesome. it's wonderful. We just finished this past week a leadership retreat ourselves here at the church, staff, pastors, and elders. And one of the things that we re-upped on as, just as, as a team is re-upping to our vision, what God's called us to, 
Our vision hasn't changed. We're doing the same vision, the same values. We've grown. We're bigger. There's, there's buildings and facilities and things that we didn't used to have. But we are committed to being a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church. We're going to stay on that track, keep pursuing that. We want to all of the ministry things that are happening within the church. They're moving toward that goal, that vision to share and multiply the life of Christ through new disciples, new life groups, new congregations to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. That means we are committed, you guys, we are committed to being a reproducing church. Disciples, life groups, the church itself, we have not backed off of that and we are not backing off of that. Is that clear? Like, no, no, he thinks he... Did he believe what he's saying? I believe it. I've got cards that I wrote in 1994. Note cards, my mission and purpose in life. And these cards don't have corners anymore. They're note cards. They're these white things. Uh, I feel like I need to address the college guys. The youth too, for that matter. Note cards, these white things. This is what people used to use in school to kind of take notes on and stuff. Work on papers and things like that. Anyway. But one of the things I wanted to do, the part of my purpose was to be a servant leader of a multiplying fellowship of believers. You know, now 20 something years later, we're getting to see it. You know, just this morning, just worshiping the Lord and just seeing my son-in-law up there leading worship and my daughter, next generation. Going for it, worshiping God and going, I want to do what she's doing. That's, you know, I, I, even when I don't hear her voice, I, I'm like, I want to do what she's doing. Yes, Lord. You know, and it's, it's happening. We're living in it. Not maybe, not might, not could be. We are. We are living in it. Step into it with us. That's what we want to be a part of. That's what we want our, we want our lives to... I, you know, some of the biggest thing that's so huge is connecting the dots to what we do because we go through hard stuff in life. And if we'll connect the why we're doing what we're doing that we want to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people by the way we live and follow Jesus and live our lives out as disciples that are making disciples, when we'll, live, when we'll see how that connects, then I can go through hard stuff. Because the journey, life, just newsflash, newsflash is life isn't all just you know hunky-dory all the time. You take a few steps forward and then... Could some older people help me out on this? Then you take a few steps back. You know, you walk up and it's just glorious sometimes. And then sometimes it's like, I'm going down, but am I going forward at all? This is hard. You know, and that's the way life is. We, and when we see that our life is making a difference in the lives of others, we can go through those hard times, those trials, that kind of stuff. Here's the main thing. We will, not maybe, not might, we will make an eternal difference in the lives of others as we live our lives on mission with God. Okay, so that's, that's what we're saying this morning. Share Life Sunday. So what does it look like to live on mission? And let me just point you to the Apostle Paul. Turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I've been in 1 Corinthians a bunch. We're probably going to do something on it next year at some point. But I... I love 1 Corinthians because I feel like I can relate to uh, some of the brokenness. Anybody know that first, the Corinthians weren't a perfect church? 
You know, you know why, right? Guy's sleeping with his father's wife. People are getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, you know, which does communicate. And some people are going without food altogether, which does speak something about, you know, there's broader possibilities even than the way we do communion. You know, I mean, it'd take a whole lot of crackers to get me just like, oh, couldn't eat another bite. Please, really. And it'd take a really take a whole lot of grape juice to get intoxicated. I'm trying. <laughs> wow. Okay, so point is, he still calls them saints. He still says you're being changed into the, and Jesus is going to finish everything that he started in you. And that's, that's good news. And so the, the way the letter is constructed is it starts with the cross. It's actually, I have to do it on this side for you guys looking left or right. It starts with the cross, finishes with the resurrection. And that is kind of like a model of the way we live our lives. You know, Jesus, following Jesus always leads us into some hard things, maybe things that we wouldn't always choose on our own. You know, things that like, wow, man, this is a hard situation. And there's some cross, there's some of the cross in it, there's some dying in it. But when we walk through those, those valleys, those hard times of following Jesus, what he leads us into is a whole new kind of resurrection life. The life that we were made to live. The life where we're truly human. We're truly reflecting the image of Jesus. And that's what we want to do. And so Paul here is right at the center of this. There's some cross and resurrection mixed right into this passage. And he's talking about his rights. He's trying to help them see this is what a life of a person on mission looks like. This is what an on mission life looks like. And so let me just mention a couple of things that stand out. First of all, this kind of life on mission Looks, Paul gives, it's a life where Paul gives up his rights. He talks in the first part of the chapter, he says, you know, I've got all these rights. I planted the church. You're the defense of my apostleship in the Lord. The fact that you guys are there, the church is there. And he goes on and he says in verse 12, the second part of the verse, it's kind of a new paragraph in my version. Um, and he says, but we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Okay, so following Jesus, living a life on mission means it's not all about me. It's not all about my rights. I praise God politically for the rights that we have, the freedoms that we have. But in Jesus, we're connected to another kingdom. And so there's, there's, there's rights that we lay down so that other people can find out about Jesus. So other people can get in on this, this life, this love, this freedom, this forgiveness. So Paul gives up his rights. The second thing that stands out is that Paul is compelled to preach the gospel. Verse 16, he says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So this, this preaching that he's doing is like, it's, it's from the inside. Later in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, the love of Christ compels us. It's like we are to be people that are internally motivated because of what Jesus has done for us. It's not like a debt I'm trying to pay, repay Jesus. I can't, I can't repay what He's done, right? Can anybody? Could you ever for eternity? No. But there is like a debt toward other people that haven't gotten to hear yet. It's like we have a there's, a... there's something in us that I want you to know what I know. I want you to know this life, this love, this freedom, this good news. Jesus Christ is the King. 
Jesus Christ is the Lord and everything's changed. He's raised from the dead. He sets people free. He sets the captives free. He brings healing into our lives. Paul is compelled. The third thing that stands out is that Paul is willing to change in order to reach people. He's willing to change in order to reach people. Verse 19, he says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And he goes on, he says, to the Jews, I change. I become like Jews. To those without the law, I change. I become like those without the law. To, to whoever it is, I'm willing to change and not just do things my way so that I can connect with them. If somebody's, if there's a barrier here between us and another people, and that can happen in a hundred different ways, you don't have to cross the water to cross barriers. You know, it's right here in our city that God wants us to be missional people, people on a mission right here. This past uh, Sunday, I heard about Tim and Lisa went and uh, preached over at a, at a refugee church in the afternoon, and they got to meet with an Afghani family, and they, the they, people had broken English, broken Farsi, they're trying to communicate, they're, they're sharing tea with them, but they are, what are they doing? They're crossing a boundary in order to represent Christ to people. And that's the way that works. When we moved down here in 2002, the challenge was, you know, we had a church up in Grapevine, and we said, hey, you may never move to Thailand, but will you sell your, job, will you sell your home, keep your same job, and move with us as, and cross the boundary down to Fort Worth, that other culture down there, cross the boundary, and come down with us to Fort Worth as missionaries. That's how we got here. There was change involved in us being here, in this church being here. People have been changing all along the way because we want people to hear the good news about Jesus. It's making sense. And so if this is something that Paul's going, hey, follow me in the way that I'm following Jesus. Paul is following Jesus who empties himself of his rights. That's what Philippians 2 is about. He empties himself and goes the humble way so that he can represent God to us. It's called the incarnation. Show us what God's really like. And even today still, we need examples of people that show us what it looks like to live this life out. You know, a lot of times I'm looking at Jesus, I'm looking at Jesus, but, but James shows me something about what Jesus is like. You know, or Ben shows me something about what Jesus is like. You know, and we need to see it like that. The last piece I'll mention, fourth thing that stands out, is that uh, what it looks like to live on mission is that Paul is running the race as a winner, as a winner, like he is victorious in Jesus. And so he's running the race as a winner. Do you not know, verse 24, that all the runners run, but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. OK, so important point to make here whenever we read this particular passage people look at that and they go i'm competitive and i need to beat everybody else in order to get into heaven and that's not the point okay these are all saints he's saying run to win the prize he's saying be a part of this missional team that's reaching people be a part of reaching out and run like the winners that you are see the isthmian games happened every two years in corinth they were like olympic games and they would have understood this metaphor of running to win. When somebody's running a race, they've trained, 
They run hard. They press through. There's urgency. There's endurance. There's perseverance. You know, it's not just whatever. You know, you're running hard. And so that's what's going on here. Run like winners. Pressing through. Persevering. Not quitting. Continuing on. Even after all these years in this mission that God's called us to. Run like winners. Because in Jesus Christ, you are winners. So that's, that's a little bit of an example from the life of Paul. The second one I want to give you an example of here is in the life of James. Now, where would I go for the life of James? Some of you guys might think, well, the book of James, or James, who is the brother of our Lord. But I'm going to bring this a little home. We want to see what it looks like uh, in, in the church here. So I'm actually going to, in just a moment, going to call up James the Albright. Not James the brother of the Lord, but James the Albright. Because in James's life, what you see is somebody that, that came here just after college or right about that time and then, and then started just getting involved in stuff along the way and just kind of kept taking the next step of mission and what we were doing. Eventually, he got called. They got called as a couple to Zagreb, Croatia, where they served for seven years. And then the Lord called them back here to be the missions pastor and work with college. And then right now he's now working with life groups and, and doing the missions role as well. So I think some of his handles and some of his story might even make this more uh, practical for what it looks like here. So you guys give it up for James the Albright. All right. Could be James the Lesser or James the Taller. No. Um, am I taller? I think I am. We're just going to say I am. All right. All right, guys. So what, what we're looking at here, my role in this piece is to, is to help give some practical handles to what we're talking about here out of 1 Corinthians 9. So out of my own experience, my own life. Um, so, you know, really, we brainstormed about this. I mean, we could have done this from a lot of you guys. Uh, it was, you know, time and things like that were an issue, but we just... Um, we're going to utilize uh, my life here as an example. So, you know, when Jesus is the head of the church, then the church starts to look like Jesus. So as we're fixing our eyes on him as leaders, as members of a church, as all the different roles, then, and we get his download of his heart and who he is, then things start to look like him around him. And that's a process that continues on and on and on. And so this is what Jamie's talking about, is these characteristics that Paul is pointing out about willing to change and, and uh, running the race as a winner, and these different things, the, all these are, are just, these are characteristics of Jesus. This is just looking at Jesus and Paul going, I'm going to model my life after him, and I want you guys to do the same. And so that's the picture that we're having. So I'm going to kind of just run the, that same filter through my life a little bit and give you guys some handles on some of that, some practical examples and some stories. So as a community, um, we are compelled to share. We are compelled to share. All right. So, um, you know, does anybody here, is Jamie compelled to share about Jesus? What do you guys think? I think he's pretty compelled to share. What's that all about? It's about how his eyes are fixed on Jesus and he's seeing him. And it's, it's not that then he walks out of his quiet time or something and think, 
I now should share. I ought to do this. This is my duty. It is out of compulsion. He is compelled and thrusted out to share and to bring a word to us, to share with his neighbors and people around him. And in the same way, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, that's where it all starts. This whole being compelled to share thing, it all starts right here and right here. And so I remember, you know, times when this whole concept was being really shaped in me. Um, I remember times of uh, uh, walking into Christ Fellowship and for the first time and just, you know, oh, we're talking about Jesus again today. Okay, so, it, oh, this week it's, the sermon, it's about Jesus today. And just, and I started to get it. I started to get, oh, it, it's actually all about Jesus. You know, Jamie has many sermon titles, but one subject, you know. And, um, and so, and that's a good thing. May that be a discipleship point for us, that as we see him fixing his eyes on Jesus, may we too fix our eyes wholeheartedly on him. So I remember times, you know, growing up and <laughs> growing up back in the day, growing up and just in college uh, time frame, um, that, uh, one of, that um, you know, doing discipleship groups and things like that and life groups. So I remember some life groups where we would spend large amounts of time, you know, two hours, three hours, just worshiping Jesus. And, um, and this was before kids. So I, all you parents out there, you're like, hey, I can't do that. Anymore. Yeah, I get it. I'm a parent too. So even now in our life group, we will take times aside where we'll, we'll help, you know, get the kids some childcare and we will fix our eyes on Jesus for an extended amount of time. And what that does for us is we start to get his heart. We start to get his heart for us, for people, for what does he love, what does he not love. And then we get to work that out, you know. And there was a time when as a discipleship group, when uh, I was in college, there were three guys and uh, this one morning I woke up and um, the alarm went off. It was supposed to be early, whatever that meant in college, what, 9.30, 10 o'clock, something like, you know, and um, I'm kidding, not you guys. Um, so, uh, you know, woke up and I thought, you know what, I'm sleeping in. It's not this morning. So those guys will just go ahead and meet and they'll be fine without me. And I, and so I, you know, hit the snooze and off to sleep I go into Wonderland and, um and about 30, 40 minutes later, uh, I hear outside my uh, window there at the house I was living at, I hear a guitar and a djembe and two guys worshiping their hearts out. And I, you know, peek through the blinds and it's, it's those two guys in my discipleship group and they are worshiping, they've come to wake me up. Get up, slacker, and wake up and worship Jesus. And um, you know, those times though, they shape you. Because you realize what's first things first here. You know, what is first? First things first are right here. And out of this, we're compelled to share. We're compelled to preach the gospel. All right, so second, we are a community that gives up our rights in order to reach people. We give up our rights in order to reach people. As Americans, that's a hard phrase for us. We don't want to give up our rights. I'm not talking about politics right now. So we can just put all that aside. What I'm talking about is we are kingdom citizens. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And it's a different deal. And so there are times when God calls us to lay our lives down and lay our rights down to make a pathway for somebody else to walk on. 
And that, I want to say it again, because I want to, there are times when God calls us to lay our rights down in order to make a pathway for someone else to walk on in order to see Jesus. You know, in Croatia, uh, we spent seven years there, and in that time, um, you know, we would, uh, we would often have to lay down our rights, um, mostly of being understood was one way. Um, we were learning Croatian, and, and, um, and there's just some sounds that you, our American tongues just can't make, not without a whole lot of, yeah, not without a whole lot of uh, help and time. And um, so the word for people in Croatian is very similar to the word for, or the adjective crazy. And in the language, you would just say crazy, and it would mean crazy people. So, um, so we're, uh, you know, as you, what do you do when you walk into life group and, or into church or something like that? And you say, you know, everybody says hi to you, right? Hey, James, in Croatian, say hi back. Hey, everybody, direct translation that you would say, you would say hi, people. And so every time, walk in, hey, crazies. And there was hardly anything I could do about it. I would just, they would say, they would say it, repeat after me, you know, and I'm like, you, you know, saying it, and they're like, no, you still said crazy, you know, and so there's nothing you could do about it. We had to lay down our rights to be understood because it was all about them seeing Jesus. All right. The third area is that as a church, we are willing to change to reach people. We are willing to change to reach people. You know, as you enter into any context, we've got to adapt in order to be a part of that context, a part of that environment, that atmosphere, right? You get a new job, you've got to adapt into the new business culture. You, you, get, you get married, you, you better adapt. You know, we've got to adapt into that new culture, right? And so, um, you know, and why do we do that? Why do we do that? We do it out of love for our spouse, right? We do that because we love them and we want to meet them right where they're at. We don't want to make them meet them, meet them where we're, meet us where we're at. We want to meet them where they're at. And Jesus showed us the same thing. He showed us out of his own life that he came into our sinful world and he put on flesh and blood and skin and bone. And he became one of us. He adapted. He changed. He, not his values. Values are the same. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about habits, culture, things that are going on around us. Then those things needed to change. Why? To make room for others. To make a pathway for others to walk on. An example of this... Um, I was thinking about changing the example. I'm going to stick with it. We, um, uh, well, okay, I'm going to go with it. Why not? Second service, it's getting crazy around. All right, so, um, so here, you know, as I've first been in, in Texas, I was a college student. I didn't know how long I'd live in Texas. Then we go off to, you know, get married, go off to Croatia. I come back now, and I got three kids and a mortgage. It's a different deal. You know, it's a, I'm now an adult that needs to, I'm, I live here. This is my home. And so I realized in order to be a missionary here to these people, to Texans, I needed to change my football allegiances.
It, I don't need to change the core value of my love for the Seahawks where I grew up. But I have to become interested and actually enjoy and love the Cowboys. Except for this year. It's really hard. No. But, um, but for this, your left, it's, it's actually, you guys know, the guys are like, yeah, that's core value, man. That's deep. It's, but, and I can tell you, this is a missional move on my part. It really is. It really is. I have to be willing to change to meet people right where they're at. Right. So these are just a few things. Hopefully that gives you guys some handles from my own life on what Jamie's talking about. And so I'm going to hand it back off to Jamie Miller. Great job. Thanks, James. James, the, the Albright. <laughs> I love my brother. Um, yeah, so just we're wrapping this up. And I just want to just, uh, you know, if you think about the book of Acts, and you were to continue the book of Acts on out, which really has happened. Nobody's writing it down like that, but it's we're in chapter 2920 or you know whatever, at least 2015. We went year by year. But all these things that have happened, you know, and the question for us is how do we fit in to what God's doing? Because God isn't finished. We know how the story ends, but we're living in this uncompleted part right now, and we get to be participants. On the great, in the great drama of what God's doing on the earth in helping to, people to know Him. And, and the question is, how will I live? How will we live together? How will you live in a way that participates in the mission of God? And there's, there's countless ways of doing that. You know, and, and some actually go to other places to restart this whole process all over. But in the meantime, just I want to encourage all of us Today, on Share Life Sunday, it's a day to say, yes, God. Yes to the next thing. Yes to taking that, that next step. Yes, I'm in with you. It could be prayer, just engaging. I want to be a disciple that's being transformed into the image of Christ. I want to help others on that journey. I want to talk about Jesus with people. I want to open my mouth. I don't want to just think that people are going to uh, catch Jesus because I'm, I've got some kind of glow around me or something. I, I actually, Jesus had to use words. We have to use words. Makes sense? And just be engaged in that whole process. But today, and just wrapping this up, let's say yes as a church, and let's say yes as a people to all that God, I mean, great things, dreams that we haven't even comprehended yet. God's already way ahead of us. He loves, all, like Ben said, He loves those countries. He loves those people groups more than we know, more than we can but He's calling us to participate with Him, to join Him. And we want to do that. Let's take the next step today as a people. Please stand up. And, uh, you know, it, it might be that you have a calling to go and you need to get prayer. It might be that you want to take a next step right here, being an on-mission person, living an on-mission life right here in Fort Worth or whatever the little the other cities that you live in around us. Um, but man, we want to we want to go for it. Let's... Let's take opportunities like this to say yes. Now, people will come and get prayer. We do this if you're visiting. We do this at the end of every service. So it's not like the, the sinner bad people come up here. We're all in this together. Okay, so just and if the front fills up, then man, get, get some prayer from somebody around you and say, let's just, there's not one of us that couldn't say, yes, I want to go deeper with you, Jesus. I want to participate with you in your mission, in your heart. 
So Father, meet us today. Just where we're at, all around the room, just, Lord, instead of just in this moment, just for a couple of minutes, we're not thinking about lunch. We're not thinking about what we're going to do this afternoon. We're just saying yes to You, Lord. We're just saying yes to the next thing. And For some of us, that means getting some prayer from somebody. It might mean about the mission or all the different possibilities that could have been stirred by the Holy Spirit in your heart. Respond to Him today. Respond in this moment today in the name of Jesus. And I want to just say too, if you need prayer for anything else, healing, finances, you're going through a hard time, don't leave without getting prayer. Just God meets us right here in this moment. You're just you're released to pray. You're released to minister to one another and to get prayer in this ministry time. Please come. Don't put it off. Come in Jesus' name. Go for it.